Life Audio. Hello, my name is Shara Donahue, and I want to welcome you to the Bible Out of Context. Today we are covering a verse that, when used out of context, can shame and hurt those who are already hurting. We are covering James 5.15, which says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I hope you can spot how people could hurt people using this verse out of context. But in case you missed it, listen to the testimony from Pastor Chris Russell on how he has seen people use this verse to wound others. He says, over the past 25 years that I have been in ministry, I have seen people hurt greatly by the false teaching that God always wants to heal every malady. This is because that belief can cause a massive amount of guilt and disillusionment for the afflicted in those times when God actually chooses not to heal. The implication is that the suffering Christian just didn't quite believe enough or is hiding some sort of sin. I have seen Christians destroyed in their faith over this erroneous teaching. We must realize that sometimes it's just not God's plan to heal or to fix a problem quickly for us. And that's okay. He still loves us. He still has a plan. And he still has a profound purpose for that pain that can end up blessing us beyond anything we could ever imagine. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So... What do we do with this verse from James? Well, of course, if you've ever listened to this before, you know I'm going to say we look at it in context. Filled with wisdom and practicality, James, the half-brother of Jesus, does not hold back truth in the book that he wrote that we have in the scriptures. He shows how living faith differs from dead faith and how following the wisdom of the world and our own desires can lead toward disaster He tells believers to seek wisdom, stay faithful, watch your mouth, and love God's ways. Then there is this section in chapter 5. So let's look at verses 13 through 20 to gauge the context of 515 that we're looking at today. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? 
Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, If anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Lots of good news in that passage. A couple of observations. James constantly calls people to live an active and outward faith. Some people believe that this refers to both those who are sick or weak spiritually or physically. It is clear that we are not intended to suffer alone. The community is drawn into the pain. We are called to confess to one another. And clearly, most obviously, this passage shows us how important prayer is and that praise is important, and that God hears us. Where we get into what feels like gray areas with this passage comes from a question that we should be asking when we read it. Does this verse promise healing for any and all sicknesses if just enough faith exists in the person or the elders? Samuel Imadi teaches that. The beginning of verse 15 seems to suggest that prayers of faith inevitably result in physical healing. Certainly, such an interpretation doesn't accord with reality. Godliness is no guarantee of physical health, nor can it perpetually deter death. Furthermore, Paul himself, perhaps the most faith-filled Christian ever, had to leave Trophimus sick and Miletus in 2 Timothy 4.20. Anointing with oil is a physical act expressing a spiritual truth. We belong to God and have committed ourselves wholly into his care. Rather, James is reminding us that prayer that pleases God springs from the living faith he described in chapter 2. On some occasions, God uses these faith-filled prayers as the means through which he heals the sick. Praying in faith isn't a magic formula that twists God's arm to do what we want. Rather, praying in faith both boldly asks God to heal a sick brother or sister and humbly trusts God's perfect plan, a plan that accumulates with Christ saving and raising up all of his people in the resurrection. We can expect God to heal. This is one of the things he absolutely does. 
Great faith is often at play in the healings that Jesus performs in the scriptures. But can we twist God's arm? Come on. Again, we are not that powerful. But we are going to take some time today to look at healings in the scriptures. But we also need to look at some of the times God doesn't heal as the people back then wanted him to heal. Because sometimes he doesn't heal as we would hope he would. We need to know that it is not always God's will to heal the side of heaven. But it is his will. It is his will to raise up those with faith, as James says. Could we do without sickness or disease entirely? Uh, yes, yes, please. <laughs> sickness is inconvenient, it's humbling, it's unsettling, and it can be downright terrifying. Before the fall of man, there was no sickness, no pain, no death. So it follows that we would long for the days when our health is no longer a concern or something to be maintained or protected. But we live in a fallen world and the reality of human frailty is too present for us to ignore. And ignorance would only harm us further. Our deepest hope is that this world will not always be this way. And that God's power is always, is always greater than any bacteria, cancer, or virus. That he will raise up those who love him is a promise we can hold to. What wonderful grace we are given as beloved children and heirs to whom God has left his word. His word ministers to us in our time of need and strengthens us for the times to come. God has power over sickness, and there are powerful stories in the scriptures that teach us about the true character of our healing God. They are there to give us courage over fear. Let's start with a tale early on in the Old Testament, where we see Moses' plea for one he loves. Moses' sister, Miriam, ended up with a case of leprosy in Numbers when she and Aaron decided to oppose Moses. So yes, this one was brought on by sin. And they sought to lead in positions God had not designed for them. Even though Moses was betrayed by them, Numbers 12, 13 through 15 tells us that Moses cried out to the Lord, please, God, heal her. The Lord replied to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on until she was brought back. She was brought back, and the whole tribe moved on. But for a time, they were still as they waited for healing. The relatable beauty of this passage is in the sympathetic cry of Moses. He seeks out God on behalf of another, and God answers with mercy. This passage should lead us to ask ourselves, how have I been crying out for other people? What do my prayers look like as someone who has lived in in and through times of illness? 
Are we willing to wait out sickness with those we love, no matter what the outcome? Those who sat with Job in his suffering did not offer wise counsel. Like those who tell themselves that someone was not healed for lack of faith, they may have sought to explain away the suffering to comfort themselves with an explanation for why a good man might suffer. We have to be willing to sit with someone in their pain and not try to explain it away with platitudes and comfort for ourselves. It can make us uncomfortable. I get it. When someone we view as faithful and good becomes ill and ailing. Too often those who know that person start searching for some reason why this person became ill so they can tell themselves it will not happen to them. It's scary to watch those we love suffer. And we often try to assign blame when we are grieving. We see this even in the Bible. We see it in the story of Elijah and the widow's son. In 1 Kings 17, 20 through 22, we see that God had miraculously provided for Elijah at the home of a widow who lived in Zarephath as they waited out a famine. But the joy was short-lived because her son suddenly became ill and died. The widow lamented and accused Elijah of bringing the sorrow to her home. He took the boy from his mother into a room and then he cried out to the Lord. The scriptures say, they say, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Hear that honest plea and prayer to God as Elijah looks at this young boy and says, why, why God? Then he stretched himself, we're back in the scriptures now, then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. While it's easy for us to default to assigning blame in light of our suffering, this story not only shows God's power over sickness, but over the worst part of sickness, death. Charles Swindoll encourages us in his book, A Man of Heroism and Humility, Elijah, to remember that our God is the God of impossibilities, the one who has limitless power, who has never and will never meet an intimidating obstacle he cannot overcome, an aggressive enemy he cannot overwhelm, a final decision he cannot override, or a powerful person he cannot overshadow because Elijah believed in the God of impossibilities. Not even death caused him to doubt. Jesus has unquestionable authority over ailments, period. Mark 5, 21 through 43 tells a story of how two women's lives became intertwined in the person of Jesus. An adult woman with an issue of blood and a 12-year-old girl, both desperately in need of healing. Jesus was on his way to answer the plea of a Roman soldier, Jarius, who sought help for his dying daughter. When a woman who the doctors could not help reached for Jesus's robe with great hope. The scriptures say, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. 
Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Mark 5, 28 through 29. Jesus stopped to talk to her and tell her that her great faith had healed her. He then proceeded to the household of Jarius. After being told the girl had died, though it quickly becomes clear that Jesus has other plans in mind for the young girl. He put them all out, the scriptures say. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. Mark five forty through 42. So we see here that faith is important. We heard about the faith of the woman with the issue of the blood, but the little girl had already died. Faith is not at play in that healing in a way that is clear to us in the scriptures. But what we do see is that Jesus pulled his disciples in to watch. So let's talk about them and the roles that they played in seeing healing happen with people. Because after Jesus' ascension, the disciples continued in the work of preaching the good news, and many began to believe. They not only saw conversions, but also a great display of the power of God working through his people. Scriptures say people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, so physically and spiritually unhealthy, and all of them were healed. Acts five fifteen through 16. All of them were healed. When death is too frequently the unwelcomed companion to our existence, stories like this can feel like fairy tales. But they're true. These really happened. God chose to move this way at these times. So we can ask for the miraculous. We should pray expectantly to be witnesses to it. May we as the church trust in his power at work within us and pray that God might show his might. But we also must be aware that even Paul, the apostle, faced suffering that God chose not to deliver him from. He says in 2 Corinthians twelve nine, but he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Sometimes God allows suffering to linger so that his grace can strengthen and eternal things can be brought forth. I am often humbled by the amount of life that we have no control over, by how much can weaken us or take us down in an instant. But Jesus' power and presence are with us always. We are his beloved. And I want to end this discussion with a story that I believe serves as a model for us all. The story is in Matthew 8, 1-3. And it's a fantastic tale because of its simplicity. The whole story is told in only a few verses. It says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. 
This man with leprosy is the model for how we should approach God in our requests. He goes boldly and submissively. He knows Jesus can heal him, but also recognizes that the finality of that decision belongs to God alone. Jesus says one sentence and supernaturally brings healing and hope. There is no sickness or disease outside of God's control. He is good and he is worthy of our trust. We may not always be able to identify what he is doing or why he is doing it, but we need never worry that he has become too exhausted to take action. God loves us. He sees us, and if he is willing, he can heal us immediately. The good news is that for those who trust in him, healing will come. May not happen on our timeline, but we are promised that when Jesus returns, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Revelations 21.4 With that hope, would you pray with me? Jesus, facing sickness is never easy, but we rejoice in the fact that we know you will heal if that is what is best eternally. Help us to know you for who you are, that you are good, that you are trustworthy, and that you will raise up those who love you. I pray for those, Lord, that are struggling with sickness, that you would heal them, that you would continue to increase their faith, that their eyes would stay on you through this trial. I pray for those who are supporting people who are sick, that you would strengthen them, that you would comfort them, that you would give them the right words to say or the strength to say quiet if all that's needed is presence. And Lord, I pray for all of us that as we walk this fallen world, that we would be strong in our faith, that we would be bold and submissive to whatever your will is, for your grace is sufficient for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, let me give you my book recommendation for today. Honestly, sickness can lead to death, and there is not an easy way to walk in the shadow of death. Whether it is facing your own death or the death of a loved one, I have found a little book called On Death, a small, pocket-sized book by Tim Keller to be an excellent help for truths whispered at a bedside or to your own heart as you sit by a bedside. So if you are in need of something like this, I'll add the link in the comments. Thank you for joining me today. I know sickness has touched us all, but take hope that God will raise up his people. And that is the joy we get to rest in. The verses, articles, and book referred to in this podcast can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. It really does help. And I thank you again, all of you who have done it already. Until next time, may you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free.
There's no better way to start your day than spending time in God's Word and in prayer. Don't know where to start? We have a free daily prayer podcast created to help you do just that. The Your Daily Prayer podcast delivers a thoughtful devotional and timely prayer to you seven days a week. Gain inspiration, faith, and encouragement with daily messages in 10 minutes or less. To start listening now, search Your Daily Prayer on your favorite podcast app or visit lifeaudio.com.